What makes the story of the Nims family, known to posterity as the Farkhams of Farkham Hall, stand out from those of the Asquits or the Astors, or indeed the Mitfords, to whom we were so often compared, is the daily record which I, Farley Nims, or as I was known to the vicar who baptized me during the bitter winter of 1892, Charlie Farley Ruskin Marks and Spencer Nims, kept on a daily basis. While critics have claimed that my vanity, libido, and opium use made me the very epitome of the unreliable narrator, kinder voices suggested that my energy, imagination, and large collection of pens helped me become England's finest diarist since the death of Pepys. Because of my later friendship with Brian Epstein, Imaginative commentators have often attempted to draw parallels between my life and those of the Fab Four. I have always felt, however, that if the story of any musical movement matched mine, then Glam Rock probably followed an arc closer to my own. If I haven't stretched the metaphor to breaking point just yet, you could say that the opening chords of my story rang out during the fateful summer of 1914. At the time, I wrote, August 29th, 1914. I was, as I recall, smoking a cheroot in Farkham's Pet Cemetery when Biles, our one-legged groundsman, brought the news from Europe to my parents. The afternoon edition has arrived, sir. Mm, anything we need to know, Biles? Apparently an archduke's been shot. An archbishop? An archduke? Oh, what a shame. The archduke of where? Doesn't say. Somewhere in the east, I shouldn't wonder. Suffolk? Further east, surely. There isn't anything further east than Suffolk. Biles? Mum? If one heads east of Suffolk, where would a fella end up? North Sea, Mum. And first landfall? Denmark, sir. Oh, typical. The Danes have shot an archduke. The swine. It will, of course, mean war. Terrible shame. The blood. The slaughter. The sacrifice. Not to mention the endless literary anthologies. Lord, yes. Collected poems. Letters from the front. An adjutant prepares. The blood runs cold. War, we were to learn, means different things to different people. To my mother, Pandora, it meant simply that my younger brother George, that is, George Randall and Hopkirk murder she wrote Nims, would be coming down from university. She was in the kitchen, talking to the people about whatever it is kitchen people do, when Farkham Hall received more unexpected news. I'll send one of the girls to fetch some suet, ma'am. Master George was always partial to a pudding. Whatever you think, Mrs. D. Doesn't this cook work here? Telegram for you, cooking. Well, you'll have to be quick. I've a beef wellington ready and I don't want my pastry spoiling. Look, there you are, man. Well, oh, come on, cookie. What does it say? It says our Alfred has been killed. Your brother? No. We regret to inform you of the death in action of Lance Corporal Alfred Cook. King's own rifles. It can't be true. Of course it can't. He's working nights in quarry. When I come to work this morning, he were asleep in big chair. This your idea of fun, is it, Sonny? Riding round the country putting the fear of God into decent folk. They're just getting people ready for bad news, ma'am. 
When we was fighting the bulls, they reckon it come as a terrible shock. He's right. Remember when Mrs. Courts in Brewery got told her husband were missing? He wasn't missing. He'd run off with that exotic dancer. Uh, still a shock for her, though. Wasn't that exotic, either. Turned out she ran a guest house in Riddlesworth. Haven't you got what needs doing, Lydia? I'm about it, Mrs. Driver. So, this is all a dress rehearsal, is it? That's the idea, ma'am, yes. And what is your name, young man? I'm John Cooper, ma'am. John Cooper, clerk of His Majesty's Post Office. That's right, ma'am. You sit yourself down, young shaver. We'll see if we can't find you a play to call cuts. Well, you're very kind, I'm sure, but I mustn't stop. Off to tell the Bishop of Eving who's ver just been strung up by the Bolsheviks. Bless you, boy. When news of the war reached my sister Alexandra, or Alexandra, Mary, Queen of the South, forefar athletic nymphs, she reacted in the same way she reacted to any other news. Yes, Biles, yes. Now, tell me again. Well, miss, according to Vita Manning, if you start in reverse cowgirl and reach your left hand towards Not your... that. Tell me again what Karl Marx said. Oh, right, miss. Or well, Mr Marx reckons... Anyone who knows anything of history knows that great social changes are impossible without feminine upheaval. Upheaval, yes. Social progress can be measured exactly by the social position. Oh, the position, yes. Of the fair sex, the ugly ones included. And we're nearly there, Biles. Go on. Capitalist production develops technology and the combining Combining. together of the various processes into a social whole only by sapping the original sources... Sources, yes. ...of all wealth, the soil and the labourer. Yes. 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 Now, Vita Manning. Yes, miss. What was she doing with her left hand? We may never know the real reason why my brother George hurried back to Farkham before war was even declared. But whether it was to test himself on the Western Front, or, as some have suggested, to avoid studying Piers Plowman, he was not the only one for whom the war became less a tragedy than an opportunity. George's return with his dashing valet Connie and a mysterious Irish chum cast a pebble into the pond which some of us feel to this day. Let me help you with that, Lorcan. Thanks, George. Good to be back, Connie, isn't it? Certainly is, sir. Shall I take the bags upstairs? And put Lorcan's bag in the room next to mine. Uh, Yes, sir. Georgie! Oh, Georgie! Hello, Nessa. Georgie, I'm so glad you're back. It's been so dreary since you went away. Nessa, this is Lorcan. We share rooms together at Oxford. Hello, Lorcan. It's nice to meet you. George has told me so much about you. I bet he's never mentioned me. Oh, but he has. He told everyone about you being trapped in a lift filled with sailors, and by the time they got you out, you'd... No, Lorcan, uh, that was my older sister, Alex. Oh. Nessa's too young for sailors, or lifts. I am not. I went in a lift last summer, when Mummy took me to Derry and Tom's. Yes, and you were sick on your new blouse. Nice to meet you, Lorcan. (laughs) Remember the last war, Biles? Every time I look at a pair of shoes, sir, and remember I'll only be needing the one. We'll have to dig the square up, pasture for the horses or some such. Won't miss it, sir. Never liked cricket. This isn't a cricket pitch, Biles. It's a croquet lawn. Oh, right. That explains it. If George's return provoked excitement upstairs, then young Connie was having a similar effect 
in the kitchen. And are the girls in Oxford as pretty as they say, Connie? I keep telling everyone. I'm not much interested in girls. Except for our cookie, eh? Well, I am. Um, it's all the one to me who we paid heed to. There's another world out there, Mrs. Driver. I've seen things since I was away. <laughs> Get out of that, Connie Meadows. You went to Oxford, you daffy. <laughs> not Timbucker, too. There you go, Connie. Cookies, mashed turnips. Bet you didn't see any of those in Oxford. Indeed I didn't, Mrs. Driver. Indeed I didn't. Ah, now, here we are. Thank you, Father. George, you know the House of Lords grants me the privilege of droit de guerre? I've seen it on the family charter. And do you know what it means? I haven't the faintest idea. After the English aristocracy was massacred at Bannockburn, Edward II gave the landed gentry the right to exclude one of their heirs from military service. Do you mean... You and Farley have both been called up to the British Expeditionary Force. But one of you will stay here in England. But, Father... I thought long and hard about this, George, and I will not be dissuaded. Farley won't last five minutes, you know that. If the enemy doesn't get him, his own troops will put him up against a wall. The Nims family needs an heir. If you got yourself killed or otherwise rendered obsolete, the task would fall to Farley. And why shouldn't Farley produce an heir? Do you mean you haven't noticed? Noticed what? George, do you like oysters? What? Well, yes, I, I do. Yes, and so do I. I, however, do not like snails. No? We had them once on the school trip to Calais. I thought they tasted a little like... For the sake of argument, George, let's just say that you don't like snails either. Oh, very well. Good. But Farley, on the other hand, likes snails but does not like oysters. Do you understand? Not a word, Father. For goodness sake. Because Farley does not like oysters, he will never father an heir. You think his diet has made him infertile? Well, we No, must... George, no. What I'm trying to say is that Farley is not attracted to the opposite... Um... Oh, that! Why didn't you say? You mean you knew? Of course. Half the boys at school were that way. And at least three of the teachers. Oh, well... You know, it might just be a phase, like the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire lasted 400 years, and they practically invented all this love-that-dare-not nonsense. Actually, Father, I think that was the Greeks. Well, I'm glad all that money we spent on a classical education wasn't wasted. The fact remains, George, you will not be going to France. Just trying to get your goat, Cookie. I don't have a goat, Connie. The whole time in Oxford, I did nothing but work and practice this harmonica you gave me. You've certainly made a lot of progress. I can't take all the credit. A fellow called Ralph showed me the basics. Ralph? He's a footman to the Duke of Claridge's. Oh, I see. You'd like him, Cookie. He's such fun. I'm sure. With a war coming, we'll have enough of that, thank you very much. The draper says they've lost three chambermaids in a week. I've heard terrible things about Mr Merriman's wandering hands. It's not Mr Merriman you need to keep an eye on. Not the way I hear it. What do you mean, Mrs Driver? I'll say no more, Lydia. Well, you don't mean it's her. 
Has Mrs M got fishy fingers? As you know, I don't spread idle gossip. Course not. What I will say, though, is that there was none of this before she went to university. That's why I never wanted an education. And now there's all this talk of women's suffrage. Well, you wouldn't catch me voting, Mrs Driver. I should think not indeed. Connie? Sorry, Mrs Driver. Having maintained a dignified distance, dinner meant joining the general hubbub of the house. On this occasion, however, George's Irish chum was to prove a most attractive distraction. It was, though, as inevitable as the lukewarm soup that Alexandra would also be distracted. All very different from the friends George normally brings home. Really? In what way? Oh, you must have met them. Dreadful little esthetes, draping themselves across the furniture and droning on and on about some awful poem that will never be published. Well, I'm sure I've written my share of doggerel over the years. And half of them don't know whether they're fish or fowl. They're on a voyage of discovery, Alex. We mustn't blame them if, occasionally, they take refuge in an uncharted harbour. You're very understanding, Lorcan. And perhaps it's their Celtic blood. Driven round your body by a heart where the poet is at war with the warrior. I hate to disappoint you, but my family are all farmers. <laughs> of course they are. And sons of the soil. You'll never know how I curse my own Saxon swill that carries neither courage nor conviction. Farley, you mustn't be so hard on yourself. Yes, Farley, let's not get carried away. Lorcan, do you want to get a wash in? They're going to dish up in five minutes. Thanks, George. I better just... Uh... Oh, of, of course. Well, I never... Run down to cook and tell her that I'll need breakfast for two in the morning. You can't be serious. Were you not listening? Uncharted harbours, and did you see those eyes? Of course. They hardly left mine the whole time. <laughs> he wouldn't be interested in you. But why ever not? Because he's sensitive and gentle-hearted. Not the sort of horn-handed ruffian you consort with. Oh, I think he's horn-handed enough for me. I deserve him. Why? I am nursing a broken heart. Since when? Eleven o'clock, when Biles left. Biles is the groundskeeper. He'll be on his rounds again first thing in the morning. And sometimes morning seems a long way off. Fancy a little wager, then? What do you have in mind? We'll see whose bed the Irishman ends up in. If he chooses my bed, I'll make it up to you by giving you those prints that Uncle Eddie sent from the Congo. The bearers? Naked bearers. And if he comes to my bed, I'll give you this. What is it? George's exemption letter. Father's giving George to Ardegare? At the moment, he is. What do you mean? All you have to do is change the name on the letter and George goes to war. And? And you don't. Not for the first time, then. Alexandra and I spent the evening in intrigue and plot. We were not, as far as Farkham Hall was concerned, the only ones. Mr Chalmers, give it to me. Nine carat gold, he said it was. And what did you give him? That's what we're all wondering. Mrs Driver, why are you so unkind? If you can't see what Mr Chalmers is after, then be grateful you have a friend who can. He's a lovely person. Why can't you realise that? He's a travelling salesman. They've been singing songs about such men and how they take advantage of girls like you for 400 years. How is he taking advantage? He wants to find his way beneath your skirt, Lydia Vickers. Mrs Driver! And once he's been up there, he'll drop you like a hot rock. And trust me, that little pendant may not be the only thing he leaves you with. I'll not end up in the family way. 
I'm not quite the fool you take me for. A baby? Trust me, that would be the least of your worries. What? There's other things a man like that can give a girl. How could you, Mrs Driver? Mr Chalmers isn't a kind of... Nothing. I-, I just thought I'd like to give my hands a really good clean. There you are, Duck. Thanks, Cookie. And have you got any mouthwash? I trust all is well in Oxford, Herr George. It's going splendidly, Hansi. This is Lorcan Brennan. We share rooms in college. Lorcan, this is Hansi Hupt. He's teaching Nessa the piano. Nice to meet you, Hansi. You are an Irishman, Herr Brennan. I am indeed, Mr Hupt. That's uh, quite an ear you have. <laughs> the Irish are not uh, musical race. Well, I think we... uh... No, 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 no. The weather is too damp. I went to Dublin once, by mistake. How on earth did you manage that? I am right, am I not? It is Dublin? Uh, Dublin? Yes, absolutely. Ah, the rain affects the vocal cords, and so they will not sing. Then they drink, and you cannot stop them singing. Well, I'm sure the cliché of the drunken paddy, like that of the belligerent German, may have some basis in truth, but the reality Ah, is that... belligerent is warlike, yeah? Yes... It is true, yeah. We are a warlike people, especially those like me that come from Prussia. So will you go back to fight? If this war that everyone... Yeah, 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 of course. To fight and to die. But surely the idea is not to die. <laughs> and that is why we will win. Because you British are not prepared for sacrifice. We will fight. And then we will die. And those of us who do not die will win the war. It would be a shame to lose you, Herr Hauptness, who is making such progress with the Beethoven. Well, there'll be no more Beethoven heard round here. Remember when we were at war with the Russians, Biles? Yes, sir. Someone burnt down the local brothel because they thought the girls there were Russians. Turned out they weren't Russian at all. And turned out it wasn't a brothel. And the little sisters of forgiveness were a good deal less forgiving than you might suppose. I heard them talking upstairs, and I reckon they'll take volunteers first. But how many of them are they going to be? The working man in this country isn't as foolish as he once was. He is still pretty foolish, though, isn't it? Then the war office will have no choice but to bring in conscription. Well, you know what they say? Love will find a way. You think? Yes, I do. <laughs> and I also think that you've eaten enough. Cookie, I'm starving. Trust me. Love may find a way, but there's no harm in giving it an helping hand. Hello? I got your message and... Everything satisfactory, Mr Brennan. Yes, thank you, Mrs Driver. I enjoyed your story very much. The one about the owl-throwing competition. Very amusing. (laughs) Amazing, isn't it? Almost, yes. It was your father that won. He was delighted. And rightly so. He threw the owl from a pub in Monaghan and it landed on the bank of the River Shure. A devil of a throw it was. Indeed. Seeing as the Shure is more than 70 miles away, as the crow flies. Or the owl. Did I say the Shure? I must have muddled it up. You made a mistake, sir. Yes, perhaps I did. And don't we all make mistakes now and again? I dare say it. Now and again. Good night, Mrs Driver. And the same to you, Mr Brennan. Are you in there? I thought perhaps you'd had a better offer. What could be better than this? (laughs) 
The British expeditionary force was already learning that this war was not going to be easily won. At Farkham Hall, too, as my diary continued to record, the first weeks of hostilities brought their own mixture of mishap and misunderstanding. September the 14th. Father got a letter from the war office this morning. Its contents delighted me just as much as they did George. Been the most awful cock-up. Alexandra's been up to her old tricks, has she? Somehow or other, they've given droit de guerre to your older brother. I know what you wanted, Father, but I, for one, cannot regard this mishap as bad news. Oh, it's exactly that sort of nobility I was so desperate to preserve. Promise you'll keep your head down. Since the end of the First War with the Boers, the British Army had been at peace. Or apart from the Second War with the Boers and the Sudanese Maktist Revolt, the Third Anglo-Burmese War, the Anglo-Zanzibar War of 1896, and the Boxer Rebellion. So, there was much local excitement as the Farkham Rifles marched away. George, I want you to take this pistol to France. But, Mother... It belonged to my grandfather, John Wilkes Booth. Booth? Isn't he the man who shot Abraham Lee? It was all a terrible misunderstanding. John was trying to kill the lead actor, whose performance utterly ruined a marvellous play. Our American cousin. It is a good play, isn't it, Mother? Perhaps you could use his pistol to restore his family's good name. It's very good of you, but apparently the army will give us a gun of our own. One each? As soon as we get to France. Well, in that case... Goodbye, Mother. Goodbye, Lorcan. Goodbye, darling. Goodbye, George. Perhaps you might have use for this gun, Lorcan. You know what they say. One must never place a loaded rifle on the stage if it isn't going to go off. Then promise me you'll be careful who you point it at. Must I also be careful where I point my gun, Lady Farkin? Well, I... If your George comes within range on the field of battle, I shall act without mercy. I would expect no less, Hansi. I shall return in victory, Lady Farkin, but I shall not return at all. We live in hope. Time passed, and if I might return to my earlier musical parallel, the Kaiser seemed to be suffering from second album syndrome. While Roxy Music followed their eponymous debut with the classic For Your Pleasure, the Germans' early success in Belgium and northern France led to nothing more than the invention of trench warfare. When the situation was made real for us again... It was at the instigation of my youngest sister, Nessa, or Vanessa May-June-July bank holiday nims, who reacted to any perceived obstacle with a mixture of hyperbole and hysteria. On this occasion, she worked her magic on a previously peaceful breakfast room. Three months in and still no one has explained it. Explained what, dear? How the Danes convinced the Germans to do their dirty work. Good Lord. Daddy! Daddy! What is it, Vanessa? I was up in Bigfield, exercising Brutus. What happened, There dear? was a man from the Ministry. He says they're going to cut down the cherry orchard. What Ministry? I don't know. The Ministry of Wood, I suppose. Ministry of... Oh, but, Daddy, you won't let him. You won't let him cut down the cherry orchard. No one's going to cut down anything, Nessa. Don't take on so. Oh, Mummy! I look into it, dear. Now dry those eyes. Perhaps, Miss Vanessa, you could distract yourself with some Beethoven. Hey, hooked. What on 
Earth? We thought you were in Germany. And so indeed I should be. As you can see, however, I am not. But you seem so sure when last we spoke that your ambitions lay with the army. And so they do, Lady Farkham, and always will. Years, however, of leaning over a piano has rendered my shoulders round and unfit, it seems, to carry an infantryman's back. And they turned you down? Yeah, mein Herr. Well, you tried to do your bit, and that's the main thing. I don't know about Vanessa, Herr Hobbit, but I think perhaps a little Beethoven might help you. <laughs> Thank you. And, of course, I'm sure there will be other wars. That's the spirit. Look on the bright side. Thought you might want to see this. What is it? My papers. The call-up. Okay, quick. Come in, ladder. And take your trousers off. What? You heard me. Take them off. Listen, Cookie, I've been trying to tell you. Put this dress on. What? You've a fine, slim figure now. But I've more clothes for you upstairs. A close shave and a mop cap. And it might just work. But really... Listen I... to me, Connie. Do you want to get your head blown off on Western Front? Or do you fancy spending the next few years as Farkham Hall's new chambermaid? Well, suppose it could work. And you're right, this thing fits like a glove. I'd better change back for now, though. They'll be missing me upstairs. Oh, Lydia, look after them. What's your hurry? I just think I and should... Now that I've got you in here... <laughs> Cookie, I really don't think I can... And maybe you think too much. Cookie! If some were trying to keep away from the war, those who had gone in our place were learning that nobility brought new complications. You having a problem, Nims? Nothing really, sir. But the men are in something of a funk. Whatever has got into them? Well, sir, as you know, we arrived on the Tuesday night. Full civic perception. The French do that sort of thing very well. It certainly started well enough. The mayor introduced himself, showed us to a dining table, and offered to take care of the horses. So naturally, I thought... Naturally? They marched them off, and we settled down for a glass of the local plonk. They're jolly good. They cooked them, sir. Hey, The horses? Flash-fried the best cuts in oil so the outside would be crisp. Did it work? Like a dream. Then they slow-cooked them in that sauce they use here, where they slice the onions very thin. With potatoes and rosemary. Melts in the mouth. God, I know. When I was home on leave, I tried to show my wife how to do it. Uh, poor old thing hadn't a clue. I think the secret's in the herbs. Yes. The fact is, Nims, the people at home will never understand what happens out here. I know, sir. I know. Did he take from you that which a girl holds most precious? No, indeed, Mrs. Driver. He took nothing from me that was not freely given. Did he hurt you, Lydia? I have heard that some Not that men... either. What is it, then? Begging your pardon. I did not think you'd like to hear all I must tell. Mrs Driver and I are women of the world. There's not much we don't know about matters of the art. Or of the flesh. I'm your closest friend, Lydia. Am I not? Oh, very well, then. Mr Chalmers was not a man much given to a woman's... Satisfaction. Save us. Was Mr Chalmers a very small man? No. Oh, no, Mrs Driver. I would say he was, in fact, more than average. 
And how, pray tell, would you know what the average might be? He showed me a great many pictures. What kind of pictures? They came from France. He said they were educational. I bet he did. So if he were blessed in that area, in what way were Mr Chalmers a disappointment? Let's just say that often the passengers would get off the train before it had arrived in the station. Well, bless my soul. That's easily done, you know. That's why I've always been frightened of trains. Cookie, Lydia's not talking about a real train. No? She's talking about Mr Chalmers. Oh. Oh! So, when she says station, she's really talking about... Yes, thank you, Cookie. I'm sorry, Mr Brennan. I did not mean to interrupt. Just reading a little Kipling, Lady Farkham. Well, he does write exceedingly good poems. Yes, he does. I wonder, Mr Brennan, if we might speak freely. But of course. Is there something on your mind? Uh, It's probably nothing, but I couldn't help noticing you do not stand at supper when the household drinks the health of the king. I was not there last night. I had gone to the bathroom. And the night before? I am plagued, Lady Farkham, by my delicate constitution. And when my husband asked about your war effort, you said only that you were ready to lay down your life for your country. And so I am. But England is not your country, and George V is not your king. As I have said, Lady Farkham... No more than they are mine. Lady Farkham, what are you saying? I'm saying I'm not English. I'm an American. You don't sound very American. I'm not very good at accents. I'm sorry. But the point is, your actions... Yes. They looked to me like the gestures and evasions typical of the Irish Republican Brotherhood. Mr Chalmers was in many ways a thoughtful man, so when he told me he had other plans to satisfy me... I remember the pictures I had seen. Really, Lydia? In one of them, a man was kneeling between a woman... We've heard enough about the blessed pictures. But I was so mistaken. He planned to give me chocolates and jewellery. There's many a girl in your position who might gain greater pleasure at the jeweller's shop than... But talking of positions, I saw... We weren't talking of positions, Lydia. No. And did he give you these gifts he promised? These chocolates. He had no money, you see. But I thought he were a wealthy man. He did have money. A great deal of money, he said. But when my birthday approached and he wanted to give me a special gift, he was still waiting for a payment which was owed him. You're not going to tell me that... He looks so sad, Cookie. You'd have done the same. A bloody wouldn't. Language, Cookie. Are we to suppose, Lydia, that you gave money to Mr Chalmers? Give? No, indeed. It was only a loan. He was going to pay me back. But he hasn't. No. And now he's gone. Yes, There's only one thing for it. We must send into the village and report the whole matter to Inspector Gates. Gates of the yard? Who else? Oh, no, not that. Anything else, I beg of you. But, Lydia, dear, whatever feelings you had for him, Mr Chalmers has shown himself to be a common thief. We have to call the police. But that's just it. What's wrong? I have myself been dishonest with you. Us? You see... There is no Mr Chalmers, and never was. I don't understand. I made him up. I was seeing a man, a man I could never name. Who is this man you can't name? You made up Mr Chalmers to hide the truth? Yes, Mrs Driver. So who were you seeing? Who we are trying to protect? Inspector Gates. Lord above! Mrs Driver! 
I've killed her. She'll be all right. But you have given her some of a shock. Why so? Mrs Driver's been stepping out with Inspector Gates too. Being more of an indoor boy, I didn't realise we even had a cherry orchard. Until we hadn't. Come in. You wanted to talk to me, Father? It's about this business with the Ministry of Wood. You won't let them cut down the cherry orchard. I've been searching through the deeds. Clever old Daddy. And it turns out that the orchard doesn't belong to us. Doesn't belong? In 1088, William Rufus granted the full acreage of the estate to your forefather, Bruno of Bayeux. So? But the titles to the land stipulate that a band half an acre wide, cutting all the way across the south of England, remains the property of the Crown. And that's where the Cherry Orchard stands. And it is this land which has now been leased to the Royal and Ancient Railway Company. No! They've asked us to go down tomorrow for the felling of the first tree. And you're going to go? Oh, Daddy! Well, it would be impolite not to. It's true what Hansie says about this country. It's all true! What's he been saying, Nessa? Nessa? What's he been saying? The first rule of the IRB is that you do not talk about the IRB. I understand that. The second rule of the IRB is that you do not talk about the IRB. And the third rule? I'm not sure. I only joined a couple of weeks ago. If you came in the hope of advancing your cause, then you are making the same mistake that I once made. You? Yes. I was once a political firebrand, but I learned too late that Farkham Hall is a backwater. But I spend most of my time in Oxford. The ruling elite control half the world. Why would they waste their time on education? So you think I should... It's all about time and place. The time is coming, Mr Brennan, but the place is not here. What isn't here? Darling! Well, they said the war would be over by Christmas. Hello, George. And for me, it looks as if they were right. Christmas during wartime is always, of course, an occasion of passion and heartbreak. I little realised, however, as dawn broke over Christmas 1914, that the heart most tested at Farkham would be my own. Mummy, isn't it time for the carol concert? Yes, it is, Alex, but the hell place is topsy-turvy. Connie's disappeared, and this left us a bit short, and it's... Careful, Farley! Sorry, Mother, but where do you want these music stands? It doesn't look like there'll be any music. We can't find her hut anywhere. Splendid that you're back for Christmas, George. I'm not so sure, Father. I seem to have ruffled a few feathers. What happened? It was yesterday afternoon, you see. Start of an unofficial Christmas truce. A few of the chaps had a kickabout with Jerry in No Man's Land. Top brass not too pleased, I shouldn't wonder. No, that's just the thing. A couple of minutes to go and I found myself on the edge of the German box. The ball dropped to me and I hit it. Screaming shot. We won 3-2. Good lad. Trouble is... There's a feeling at HQ that we should have let Jerry win. Christmas spirit and all that. Bunch of conchies. Hmm. Anyway, the match ended and I was put into a staff car and sent straight across the channel. Has anyone seen Hansie Hunt? He seems to have vanished. With Miss Nessa and Connie. And a large amount of Mrs Driver's smalls. What? Some sort of a sex cult, I shouldn't wonder. Good Lord. Well, one reads about this sort of thing all the time. Do you? Oh, yes, ma'am. I had a gentleman friend who showed me a great many pictures of young men wearing... That's enough for your pictures, Lydia. Oh, 
I'm sorry, miss, but you picked the wrong evening to stand around here. Sorry, Mr Furley, that's my sister come for a visit. Consuela's her name. Consuela? She's from Brazil. I thought you said... Half-sister, your lordship. My father travelled a good deal. Not only did a good deal of by the sound of it. Does she speak English? Well, I... Not a word. Well, if she can't talk, can she work? Or play the piano? She can work all right, Mrs Driver. And she's strong as an ox. Striking-looking girl, I must say. Maybe if you took her to the drawing room, Cookie. Sure, the ropes. Thank you, Mrs. Driver. Maybe I could help her settle in. Why Brazil? I have to think of something. Let's just hope that none of them speak Brazilianese. Cookie? Yes, Mr. Farley? Sorry to interrupt, but Mrs. Driver needs you downstairs. Oh, well, I... Seemed pretty urgent. And don't worry, I'll show Consuela what's what. Well... Now, hurry along. If you show us... Brazil, eh? See, si. Where the nuts come from? See, si. Consuela, I don't know whether it's your swarthy appearance or your complete lack of English, but something makes me feel that I can be quite honest with you. See, si. From the moment my eyes met yours, I felt a connection, a bond, if you will, as if we shared something strange and fundamental. Tell me, could it be that you might feel it too? See, si. Oh, my stars! Put that creature down. Alex, I swear I'd hardly touched her. Inspector Gates is downstairs. Gates of the yard? It's Hansi Hutt. He and Nessa were spotted on the night train. No. They're heading for Berlin. You mean... Yes, he's a spy. Good Lord. So that's why he had that enormous wireless in his room. No, he used that to pick up classical music. You don't mean... Well, they're saying he could hardly play a note. That can't be true. It gets worse. How so? Well, the police have searched the whole house. And? Apparently, we haven't even got a piano. But what are we... Listen to that. Oh, Consuela, you play so beautifully. It seems we shall have music after all. Oh, the poor creature's homesick. These are the songs of her native land. I think she's playing Silent Night. So? It's not from Brazil. Between you and I, I'm not sure that Consuela is either. After last night's excitement, it's good to get back to the business of running Farkham Hall. Here, here. Here's your axe, sir. Thank you, Biles. Stand back, everyone. Give him room. With the ceremonial felling of this tree, I strike a blow for the next generation. My daughter Nessa wanted to stand in the way of progress. But here at Farkham, we have never shied from sacrifice when king and country called upon us. With this axe, I like to think I'm clearing away all the... Look out, Father! The other side, sir, it's going to... I think I know how to cut down a... Daddy! Look out! It's going to... Timber! Daddy! Father! Dudley, are you all right? Uh, Hard to say, old girl. Biles! Fetch a doctor. Quick as I can, Master George. Oh, for God's sake, George. What? I love Biles as much as anyone, but can't we send someone, you know... With both legs? Exactly. All right. I'll, I'll go myself. <laughs> Message for George Nims. Hang on. George, 
is John Cooper, clerk of His Majesty's Post Office. Telegram for you, Mr George. Thanks. Not bad news, is it, darling? If somebody could just... It depends on what you think of Ireland. What? I'm being transferred to the garrison in Dublin Castle. Sounds like pretty good news to me. Hello. Me too. Really? Absolutely. Serving with the British Army in Ireland, there can't be anywhere safer. If you're going to Ireland, perhaps I should go back too. Would you, Lorcan? Be nice to see a friendly face. Any sign of that doctor? I'm sorry, Dudley. Got a bit distracted there. He won't be long, Daddy. Oh, tell him not to bother. I don't think I can... Oh, don't talk like that, Father. It's true, Farley. But you mustn't worry. Because I won't. What do you mean? I was always concerned about Farkham, about what would happen when I was gone. But, Daddy, you're not going yet. But when I look at you now, when I see Farley on the arm of the house's newest guest, a strapping and fertile-looking beauty, I feel confident that Farkham Hall is in the safest of hands. And that finally I can take my leave with a smile on my face and... Father! Dudley! No! And if what we saw on his face was less a smile, more a very large tree, we were all too caught in the moment, too moved by his final words to point it out. It was fitting, perhaps, that the blessed-remembered part of that extraordinary afternoon belonged not to my father, but to one of his children. As we headed back to the house, Lorcan and George were already pondering their future. If I do come to Dublin with you, George, what am I supposed to do with myself? I'm sure we could find you something around the castle. Uh, begging your pardon, sir, you could do worse than consider a career with His Majesty's Post Office. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. They have a fine HQ in the art of Dublin, sir. I saw a picture of it once on a souvenir ashtray. Yes, maybe that is a good idea. It's all about time and place, Mr Brennan. Time and place. Hansi Hupt was the only one of us with any real foresight. There was another war. But we were to see that one out in sunnier climes. His Majesty's government sent Connie who we still referred to as Consuela on dress-down Fridays, and I to the Bahamas, hoping we might curb the behaviour of the Duke and Duchess of Windsor. We failed utterly. But when the war ended, Connie's failing health and my own aversion to trades unions and rain made a return to Farkham Hall little more than a pipe dream. Today the place is run as a boutique hotel, uh, by Martin and Ron, two dear pals from South London. Regular guests have included Rock Hudson, Elton John, and recently, my dear friend, Billie Jean King. So, to those who suggest that the age of glamour and indulgence has gone forever, I say simply two words. Farkham Hall. You have been listening to Farkham Hall at Christmas. Originally recorded in 1985, it was broadcast again in tribute to Connie, Consuela Meadows, the noted poet and interior decorator who died last week.